Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. With the year coming to a close and top films lists are all over the place, they're coming out of your ear holes. See this somewhat as a Spotify wrapped. People love that, right? So I've roped in illustrator John Rooney to tell me his top five Nick Cage films, plus his top five Nick Cages he drew for his amazing career spanning art print. How are you, John? I'm great. How are you, Petrus? I'm very well. I'm, uh, all, all things considered, considered the world is going to shit, right? We are, we are oh, sorry, living. I forgot about that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing very well. <laughs> uh, how has, obviously, as an illustrator, how has uh, 2020 been for you? Obviously, it's, have you been able to press on much with what you do? Um, do you know what? It's been really good, and I kind of hate to say that because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people who aren't doing good uh, at this present time, but... I think that lockdown has had a lot of people sitting in their apartments or their houses just sort of staring at blank walls, thinking about how mm-hmm. they like to decorate the place. Yeah. And uh, I have an Etsy shop and it seems to be kind of taken off. They got a lot this year, but I mean, it's, I mean, I'm, I wish it, I wish the reasons were different for that, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's not so bad and work seems to be coming in very regularly so i mean i'm very grateful for it but at the same time i kind of wish we weren't all going through this yeah yeah yeah. well i should probably explain to the audience as well that how, how i kind of stumbled across you I, I, I don't i can't remember quite if somebody had sent me a link or kind of I, I often browse etsy and stuff like that kind of look at the weird and wonderful you just type in Nicolas Cage on Etsy and it will come up with a, a whole host of things you never thought you wanted. Or Yeah, your daily or check of, yeah. of Nicolas Cage's paraphernalia on Etsy. Oh, it's, it's, it's kind of a depressing thing I've, I've realised. Like Since doing this podcast, I don't think there's a day that has gone by where I haven't typed the words Nicolas Cage. So it's like, <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, I, I, think it, I think it was that and I, I kind of scrolled past, I don't know, like um a nicholas cage themed pins and then a butt plug or whatever and then i, f- I stumbled oh, yeah. across this, do. <laughs> this amazing uh print you've done the films of nick cage oh, thank which you. um was this the you've got a series of these right you've got uh, arnold schwarzenegger sigourney weaver bill murray 
and Cage, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Nicholas Cage and Tom Hanks was the last one I'd done there. During the the first lockdown, I watched all of Tom Hanks' films. Well, I watched the ones I hadn't seen before. <laughs> um, it's a really fun series they work on, but it's just finding the time to watch all these movies. I mean, Nicholas Cage especially, he's in a as you know yourself, he's in a lot of films. Well, yeah, the, the great thing, films, all of them great. <laughs> the thing with 2020, I guess, as well, is it's it's slowed down like Nick Cage's output in that normally, like, has it? I haven't look- noticed. Just like, <laughs> every day, there's a, a new film on IMDb that he's either in pre or post production. Well, I think like considering he's only got two credits. Considering I think it's 2019, there are six films he was in like so for for nickel by nicholas cage standards two is a kind of like is a slim year like um, (laughs) what so when you were doing the tom hanks um uh piece was there like an element where you're like oh this could be like this could be fire night because like obviously tom hanks was diagnosed with covid were you like oh "Oh god like i could be doing this and this like like, there could be no second edition to this like there could be no more tom hanks films (laughs) i actually i think i started i wish i had a better story but i did start i did start it after uh he was uh diagnosed as being okay and over the the covid but yeah uh would have been easy. I mean, <laughs> I don't mean to be uh, talking like that, but the thing with Nicolas Cage is that poster needs a serious update because his output is so ferocious. Whereas if Tom Hanks had have croaked it, you know, that'd be the poster <laughs> forever. <laughs> I was thinking of doing a John, do you ever hear of the actor John Cazale? Is it John Cazale or John Cazales? Oh the yes, the the guy, the guy who's like in three or four films, but they're Easy. all like stone cold classics <laughs> yeah. as well. It's like Dog Day Afternoon, The Godfather, and like a couple of other like yeah, real uh, heavy hitters. Deer Hunter, uh, Godfather Two, and I think that's mm-hmm. about it actually. Uh, the Conversation is another one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I mean, uh, it's easy. You never have to update it. Just six or five or six drawings. That's it. So, what was the first? Um, poster in that run what was what, what kind of gave you the idea to to pick an actor and just do an illustration for each of their films uh well uh, nicholas cage was the first one and i honestly don't really remember what the where the exact idea came from but i just kind of see i was moving from uh ireland dublin where i used to live to berlin where i live <laughs> now but i had like a six months layover in my parents house and it was just all free time. So I tried to just embark on as much creative projects as I could. Uh, and that Nicolas Cage poster was one of them. And like, uh, I mean, I was always a fan of him, but he just seemed like the ideal actor, the ideal person. Mm-hmm. They do a poster of in that way. Because he just, his range is so varied. He just does everything. And he's like, he can be taken seriously sometimes. Mm-hmm. But he's also very, uh, he's, he's very easy to make fun of. Definitely. I've ha- I've kind of had that journey doing this podcast. It kind of started <laughs> off as like, let's poke fun at Nicolas Cage. But it's like, as time's gone on, and I imagine, I'm not sure if you had a similar journey from like watching them all. You kind of, 
you get like a Stockholm syndrome with it where you're like just watching all these Nick Cage films and like I, I find myself sticking up for films that don't deserve it but people are like that that's like i'm like stolen is a good film and people are like <laughs> yeah. it's not it's, it's it's not i'm like no no it's, it's really like i'm like josh lucas is that bad guy he's phenomenal and like, he plays a very like, good bad guy that guy josh, josh lucas exactly um but um yeah so are you would you consider yourself a nick cage fan now uh no definitely and i had a, a very similar journey where after watching all his films i mean I, about one in ten films, like maybe of the modern era of Nick Cage, like maybe from since the year 2000 or thereabouts, you maybe get one or two in ten films that's actually quite respectable. And like, yeah, you have to take your hat off to him for like taking a role like that and putting on a great performance. And the rest is it's a real filler is the rest. I was just going to say that he's like a kind of like really bad partner, isn't he? And that like... <laughs> Like every, but like every so often he'll like redeem himself with a with like a bouquet of flowers for you, and it's like oh, maybe he's not so bad. And then and then you kind of like and, and then it's like puts you puts you through all this torment. Do you know what I mean? He's like gaslighting you for the rest of the time, and then he goes like, "Oh, but you're beautiful. I like got you some of the chocolates." And it's like, "Oh, cheers, Nick." Like it's a very good analogy. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> Just imagining Again. Nicholas Cage is my partner right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, w- with his kind of rate of partners and stuff like that, like I would, I would not put anything past him with his kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's like was it Elvis's daughter and is it Patricia or Rosanna Arquette? I can't remember which one he was married to. Pat- Patricia Arquette. Yeah, yeah there's obviously uh, Elvis Presley's daughter. I think there's um, Alice Kim. Was yeah, another that's one. right. There's Christina Fulton. Uh, he's. He's like one of the, <laughs> there's an amazing story of Nicolas Cage this year. One of his like rare uh, radio interviews with his own brother. He explained how he's got engaged to, um, he, yeah, he's got engaged again. And really? Of, Recently? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year, and because, because of lockdown, he had to FedEx her the ring. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Nicolas Cage action, all right. <laughs> So yeah, and uh, so so I don't know. It's that he always is constantly surprising what he does. So yeah, should we jump into your top five? Both we'll, we'll, we'll do them concurrently. So sure, we'll start with number five favorite all time Nick Cage film. Okay, number five. See, it was it was very tough to choose because there's a few Nick Cage performances that aren't necessarily in my. It wouldn't be necessarily my favorite Nicolas Cage film. So I kind of had the, like, meat in the middle with these things. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give it to uh, a film called Joe. God damn it! I ain't done a goddamn thing! Stay in your vehicle! Hey, truck! You better look for someone else to mess with, because I ain't done nothing! Put your hands behind you your and back. your motherfucking friends! Keep messing around back. with me, I'm gonna hurt you! Put your hands behind you! Come here! Guess if I drive off now, you'll get shotgun out of the back of you, man, huh? No. You're gonna shoot me? No. You can do it. I thought it was a, it's a really good film, but it was the performance that really got me. Like, I, you know, I don't know if Joe was on the TV and The Rock was on the other channel. I may likely watch The Rock. I don't know, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just a, like, I think The Rock maybe is the more enjoyable film, if you know what I mean. But uh, 
there's something about his performance in that film was really captivating or something. It was just, it was brilliant. And it was kinda during the time where he was a bit shit, to be honest. You know, yeah, his output yeah, yeah, yeah. was kinda like a bit flimsy. And he was doing a lot of things that seemed for money. But then this kind of came in the middle of it. What's really interesting with that film is that he turned down a role in The Expendables 2. Did he? To do, to do that film. So it obviously, like, it slightly dispels that myth that Nicolas Cage is somebody who, like, is always chasing a paycheck. Mm. Because Joe is a relatively, like, smaller budget film. Uh, it's like David Gordon Green before he's kind of this, like, I don't know. Let's let's let him reinvent every franchise, whether it's Halloween. And yeah, he's touted to be doing the like an Exorcist later sequel. I or whatever. heard about that. I mean? uh, like, yeah. Mm. So, and then and then yes, yeah, it's a relatively unknown cast as well. Like it's a lot of non-actors. Like the guy who plays the young boy's dad, the like alcoholic dad. Yeah, he was a real homeless guy, wasn't he? Yeah, and it's like so. It's it's like. It's one of those films that now, if it kind of came out now, it would be it would it would kind of be in that same bracket as like uncut gems, where like it never got like the the attention like it mm-hmm. deserved, whether like awards or anything like that, or that kind of an actor going against type, because obviously Cage is known for these straight to DVD action movies, and then he pulls out a Joe, and then it's like. He's still got it. He's still. Do you know what I mean? It's like he's 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 got something special. What something that we fell in love with him for? Yeah. And like now, now people there would be think. Do you know what I mean? It'd be think pieces galore going like, well, you'll find like loads of people go. Oh, I always loved Nicolas Cage. And it's like <laughs> he's he's fucking showing you in something like Joe that he's great. I know. I know. You're right. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think he kind of repeated that process with uh, Mandy, which was out maybe two <laughs> or three years ago. It was like in the same, the same, I wasn't really aware of Joe when it first came out because mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was kind of, I'd gone off Nicolas Cage a little bit because he was in so much trash. <laughs> well, that was my opinion back then. It's not now, obviously, but, um, <laughs> but when Mandy was coming out, I remember being so excited about that film. It was because I'm a big fan of that kind of dark 80s influenced, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't even know how to describe that genre. Was it uh, Panis Cosmatos uh, or something? Yeah. I don't even know how to describe him, but um, just the look of it was so great and the the music mm-hmm. and everything just looked so exciting. And putting Nicolas Cage yeah. in a film like that was just very <laughs> interesting to me. Yeah, that's another interesting one because he was offered the role of uh, the, the went to Linus Roach of Jeremy Yeah, Sands. that's so right. He was off, offered the villainous role, but it's one of those things that I... I couldn't see anyone else playing that kind of tortured guy who can go to who can go from like being quite sweet and genial, like cracking jokes of his 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 wife has this this pain. I think like Nick, that's the thing is what's great and like what a lot of like modern directors tend to get, and it tends to be like a Panos Cosmos or like a a Richard Stanley with Color Out of Space, yeah. where they're like. They clearly were fans of like older Nick Cage films. Maybe if it's like the kind of more obscure like Vampire's Kiss mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they can sit, they like almost cast him on that thing of like, because of who he is as well, his public perception and people are like, and he's got, the, I don't know, he has this pain behind his eyes. And I imagine like what happened financially for him as well. It's, it's got to be A, embarrassing and like be quite like, and take an emotional toll on you. And it's like when, especially like 
when uh, 2009 yeah. around then, like he 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 could have just kept soaring, or at least like staying on that level of like what he was doing, but then like had to almost be forced into taking these like roles where he's I don't know, like yeah, as I said, bargain <laughs> bargain bin. <laughs> As the two for seven pound type movie. That's pretty cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know um, it's, but I mean, I'm kind of glad he done that because it gives us so much joy mm-hmm. in the end. Even those bad films, it's what? it shapes the whole character, the whole ethos of Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we, everyone loves an underdog story, right? So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go on to your uh, fifth um favorite of like yeah cages to draw like who like wh- wh- which ones stand out to you what was number five um well number five i'd say is wild at heart look like a clown in that stupid jacket this is a snakeskin jacket and for me it's a symbol of my individuality and my belief in personal freedom asshole come here I'm sorry to do this to you here in front of a crowd and all, but I want you to get up and apologize to my girl. Because it was, mm-hmm. it was the first one I drew. Uh-huh. So I'll give it. I, I remember just, I remember just thinking, like, can I actually do this property? I mean, and just kind of work out how to draw Nicolas Cage and see with the other the other actors I've done, like Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver and Arnie and Tom Hanks. It's trying to get their face, like capture their, mm-hmm. uh, I might sound like a pretentious, pretentious artist talking about this, but just trying to like, <laughs> you know, capture their expression. And like with Nicolas Cage is trying to get that, like you have to make it funny, but also, you know, a little bit serious at the same time. So it's a, Trying to capture the gormless look he has in his face sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I done the the Wild at Heart one. Am I getting that the name right? It's the David Lynch movie, Wild at Heart. Yeah, Wild at Heart, yeah. Um and I drew it and I I remember looking at it and thinking, this is yeah, I think I got this. And that jacket he's wearing, the snakeskin jacket was so enjoyable to draw. Jeez. Yeah, only he been. recently mentioned that uh, he gave that jacket after the shoot to Laura Dern. I heard that she, too, actually, yeah. yeah, yeah she I, has that. Typing in Nicolas Cage every week. Not every day like you, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, I don't know, I think fashion choices, well, that's a whole different podcast. Well, Jesus, we could do clo- a separate podcast and that. Yeah, the, the clothes what like, I often look at, like replicas of the Rick Santoro suit. I'm like, that's like from Snake Eyes. I'm like, oh boy, like I, <laughs> I, I probably couldn't get away with a um the snakeskin jacket, but I probably I probably could get away with that kind of like uh I don't know what is it like, it's a, like a, a brown, brown suit, sh- isn't it? A brown Br- suit with like a yellow big collared shirt maybe or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm quite like I'm not a fat guy, but I'm not, I'm not exactly slim. So I'd probably look like a Cuban like drug lord from the '80s or something like that, like an extra in Scarface. But like, I, I could pull that off a lot better than a snakeskin jacket. Let's just say that. Um, you never know. <laughs> let's move on to number four of your favorite Nick Cage films. Sure, I'm going to say for this one. Oh, it's a tough one. Hold on. 
I've got to, I've got to have a wee think about these two. I'm going to say adaptation. Fat, bald, Kaufman paces furiously in his bedroom. He speaks into his handheld tape recorder and he says, Charlie Kaufman, fat, bald, repulsive, old, sits at a Hollywood restaurant with Valerie Thomas. Kaufman, repugnant, ridiculous, jerks off to the book jacket photo of Susan Orlando. Clark, what do you want? I finished my script. I'm done. I'm go I'm going by kind of performance here, a little yep. a little bit of like obviously it's a great film as well, but it has the two the the twin brothers and it's kind of chalk and cheese. Um, well, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's double cage for your money, right? Yeah, and I didn't pay any money to see that. I taped <laughs> I taped it off the TV back in VHSs were a thing. Perfect. I remember right, you know, um, do you know when you tape films off the the TV, you write the label. Mm -hmm. You have the little sticker to write the label. I remember it was ad adaption instead of adaptation. <laughs> For years, I had that written on it. <laughs> and a, a very smart-ass friend pointed it out to me and said they're two different words. But subsequently, I, I've learned that it's a, it's a, perfectly, a perfectly viable substitute. But anyway, I digress. But, but it's a, it's a perfect kind of uh, yeah. You, well, you you did your own adaptation on the word adaptation. So like exactly, it's it's perfect. <laughs> uh, what is it about that film that you enjoy? Like it's um, I for, I know for some people I've spoke to, it's quite a they find it quite a hard one to watch, especially if you're a creative. How do you how do you, yeah? How do you find that film as creative? Because obviously it it delves into that thing of like whether it's writer's block or uh, mm. there must be artist block or something like that. Like, do you does that does that ring like true to you in any way that film? Um, I don't so much get the artist block. I, I too I do get the kind of occasionally I will get a feeling of like why am I doing this? Like, am I <laughs> contributing towards society in any real way? And should I be like working in something more, something that helps people in a more meaningful way instead? Like I have a friend who's also an illustrator who works in in care, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I remember when he got that job, I kind of felt like should I be doing something like that instead? But at the same time, you know, when you sell when you sell prints to people through Etsy and I always would follow up with a message asking if they've got it, like if they got the mm -hmm. print safely and like if they're happy with it and you get some very nice messages back and it's not quite the same as being a doctor or a, <laughs> you know environmental lawyer or something but like the messages you get back sometimes are kind of heartwarming mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure what this has to do with adaptations slash adaption but um, I don't know it's like I never I suppose when I first seen that film I wasn't really a proper illustrator I was just like doing mm -hmm. art at GCSE level or something but um, I think it was it was more the kind of relationship between those two twins mm -hmm. and how he managed the it was him playing on himself yeah. and how he managed to sort of create that emotional atmosphere or something that was great and I think I mean, I was. I think I was crying at the end of that film. When it's uh, actually, I shouldn't spoiler. I was put any spoilers out there for people who haven't seen it. But you know the ending. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does um? That's a really interesting era in like Nick Cage's career as well, because it's kind of like he's just come off the back of like that late nineties like mm. testosterone trilogy. 
like big run and kind of like <laughs> are, you, are you talking about Conair and face off the rock yeah 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 yeah. yeah. that is that yeah yeah that is like they need to release that as like a, the testosterone exactly i have that written trilogy down box set <laughs> i've written down <laughs> in my notes i called it something else so. yeah so like he kind of like did a lot of these films with in like a lot of interested directors whether it's uh bringing out the dead with martin scorsese yeah. and he did a lot of like in betweeny films for people so uh matchstick men like mm-hmm. ridley scott obviously like used to do in like gladiator massive directors like yeah yeah yeah. but it seems to be like as i said it's their like not their tentpole movie do you know what i mean it's yeah. like like I'm, I'm not sure if that was their intention but it's like for me like bringing out the dead it's like that should be in the same conversation when people like when people talk about scorsese films it kind of seems to be like the last on the list that people tend to talk about it's like yeah they they they, they relegate that like it's new york new york like like fucking when scorsese was like cocaine up to the eyeballs <laughs> like just make whatever he wants and then it's like yeah we'll we'll stick bring out the dead in there because it is it's pretty fucking bleak as yeah. well like <laughs> and it's um, the kind of director someone would like most actors would dream they work with someone like scorsese and it's just it's barely a, a a blip on Nicolas Cage's career. It's just a little mm-hmm. movie he made. Probably no one's, most people haven't heard of it. Like I kind of yeah. almost forgot about it uh, until I was looking through the IMDb for this. And I remembered in the drawing, I drew him with like really big sort of dark eyes because he hadn't <laughs> slept and stuff like that. So onto drawing, what is your number four on your list of like most enjoyable ones to draw? I would say Ghost Rider 2. Kerrigan must have told me about that thing. I killed his men last night, huh? Yeah? That thing is inside of me. See, you're a bad man. And this thing, the writer, he feeds on Batman and he's hungry. He's hungrier than he's been years and that's why I'm shaking. Because right now, the only thing standing between you and the writer is me. And he's just... He's, he's scraping at the door. Scraping at the door. <laughs> All right, if you don't tell me what I want to know, I'm going to let him out. <sighs> I can't remember that the, what the official title is. It's Ghost Rider, like Spirit of Vengeance, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. But um, I remember watching that film. And I, I think it was a little bit better in the first one, as far as I can remember. It was a bit more enjoyable or something. And there's more cagisms in it. Mm-hmm. But there was just so much green screen. Yes. Uh, in the drawn, I put this like green screen and behind the Ghost Rider image. Have you ever seen like there's footage online of Page performing as the Ghost Rider pre CGI? So no. it's like him, him with like this painted face. Like he went kind of like he yeah he did this like Kabuki style like makeup on himself. Right. So like he could when he's like there screaming as the Ghost Rider in someone's face. He looked fucking terrifying. And it's like, you know, you know, you get these things online where people are like, release the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, release the, release the pre-CGI cut of Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance because like, Cage looks fucking mental. Oh my God. So is there actually footage of this? That I can, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, there's uh, like there's straight like, after this, I'm typing that up. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a YouTube clip. I think it's on the DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. There's like right. a, a a behind the scenes feature as well, and um, 
I spoke to one of the directors of uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, Brian Taylor. Right. And he said, like, like you saying that like, it's loads of CGI and stuff like that. That film, like, I think was very hamstrung in, like, the script that was originally written for it and the kind of, like, uh, Sony at the time were, like, losing the rights to yeah. Ghost Rider. So that film was, like... We've got eighteen months. Write something, make a film, like do it now. So, like, I think that's why that film is like it is. But it doesn't have the glaring error that the first one does of being like, there's a boy and a girl who are the same age, but when mm-hmm. they grow up, the boy is Nicolas Cage, and the girl is Eva uh, is uh, Eva Mendes, and it's like. <laughs> No, 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 no. We can see that there's a 15-year age gap between those two. But they they yeah. gave him a wig to cover up his receding hairline, so it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last film where he was absolutely ripped in as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the muscles were just bulging, like about to burst out of his abdomen. It was crazy. <laughs> so, number three in favourite films. Favourite films... Uh, okay, it's one we already mentioned. I'm going to say um, Matchstick Men, the Ridley Scott yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get obviously Cage and you get uh, Sam Rockwell. Another like... Another one of my favourite actors, actually. Really really interesting. There's um, there's a theory of Sam Rockwell and once you hear it, you kind of can't help but notice it once you watch his films. He always dances in the films he's in. I've he does heard like a that, little, yeah. He does Has a happy been... dance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Has he done it in Galaxy Quest? He must do. That that's that, that's quite that's quite goofy, right? That's there's <laughs> gotta be some da- he's gotta dance in that. I think he even does it in um the what's the Martin McDonough film he's in? Uh Free Billboards. Yeah. So he's like this uh, abhorrent racist, but still there's a moment of like for him to go, Hey, let's have a bit of levity and I'll do a bit of a bit of a dance for you. <laughs> Does he do a dance in Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles? He's in that, you know. You ever yeah, that, that is one of that that that's something I love is seeing old films and obviously people who have like gone on to be massive yeah. and like like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like was massive for me as a kid. And I think it was like a couple of years ago I bought the uh, the trilogy box set on DVD <laughs> and then watched the first one. Then when Sam Rockwell comes up, it's like. What the fuck? He's one of I the know. Foot Clan as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently yeah, Brad Pitt was one of those lads no, wearing a mask. Wow. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's kind of like a movie myth. It might may not be true, but I heard it somewhere. It might be in the IMDb trivia, actually. Like Brad Pitt is one of those lads. But I think he was bagging off even in 1990 when that film came out. Yeah, it must have been. So um, what like what is it about Matchstick Men that makes it to your number three favourite Nick Cage films? Uh I'm going to say uh, number three in my favorite performances because I don't like the film. is a, It's a great film, don't get me wrong. But it, like, if Matchstick Man was on and Con Air was on, I would probably watch Con Air. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if they were on at the same time on the TV. But uh, I don't know. I just thought that performance was really great. It was really funny. But at the same time, it was respectful toward. He has like a weird OCD in it or something like that, or like he had all these weird nervous ticks. And it was just like I don't know. It kept yeah. building up and building up, and I remember he done one little nervous tick that made me bust out laughing, and it was just. 
<laughs> it was just done so well. Well, that's the thing. That film gets like roped in with when you see these like clip reels of him, like Nicolas Cage loses yeah. his shit. I think it's the, it's, it's the that, big that, one that, that clip go needs to. to be seriously updated. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, serious it, it, holes in that. But like, Matchstick Men gets dragged into that, and I think like somewhat unfairly a lot of the time because it's like he's actually portraying like a, an illness yeah. really well, as opposed to like this isn't like Cage wigging out. This isn't like a a ten minute like drum solo yeah. like like performance. This is actually like. Fairly like a, a well, yeah, a, a respectful performance for for OCD sufferers, yeah. and like I've had people reach out to me online and be like, I like I, I take umbrage with that kind of being like seen as like a a freak out catering. Mm. As a OCD sufferer, it's like people are like, no, that is that is what it's like, and it's like, I, I yeah, I, I mean, can I kind of understand. I don't mean to say I was busting out laughing at. No, 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 it was just no, the performance is so accusing. great. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I'm yeah. just uh, I'm trying to go on back on myself. You can edit that last part out if out if you want. But no, I mean, no, no. The, the next point I was going to make is there is obviously levels of humor to it. Cause I think yeah, it like, was really it was dealt with in a really kind of a sensitive, but like a humorous as well. You can't help but laugh if it is Nicolas Cage because. You associate well, the, the the madness of his career with everything he's in, but at the same time, yeah, he done it so well. But there's like a delivery, like of one of the lines in that film where he says like "man," but he says it with like almost like a Jamaican lilt, and it's like that is funny. <laughs> Bullshit, man! And it's like even if like if somebody ha- like somebody has Tourette's, it's obviously like it's it's a horrible affliction for anyone to have but if somebody's like shouts out like fuck tit wanker you are going to find that funny <laughs> so like cage kind of like shouting like i'll drag you out into the street until you piss blood <laughs> it's like that, that that is funny like that, I'm, not, I'm not gonna get that wrong but like it's not like I thought, yeah as i said it's not wigging out performance like that kind of yeah a lot of people gravitate to him for uh, let's move on to number three of your favorite ones to draw okay uh number three of my favorite ones to draw was the civil war and nicholas cage now i know this isn't a film but i'm sure you're well aware of that weird photo <laughs> that came out and yeah. <laughs> of like uh, it was a civil war era Nick, uh, some guy who looked almost exactly like Nicolas Cage, only a little bit, I don't know, weirder looking, weirder looking than Nicolas Cage. And everybody thought he was a vampire, etc. But I thought I'd sneak that into the poster as a little Easter egg. I know it's not a film, so I'm sorry, but no, that, no that's perfect. No, no, there's, there's, there's that, and there's, I love the, um, the Kick-Ass 2 reference on the poster as well. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I almost had that on my list as well, but I thought it'd be too much to explain. It's because <laughs> in Kick-Ass yeah. 2, there's a little, just a little frame picture of him in the background saying dad or something. I thought that'd yeah, be funny yeah. to include. That, that whole like phenomenon of like people kind of finding people from the past to look exactly like celebrities. I think Keanu Reeves is another one. Oh, he's and a new one like, then. Oh, you haven't heard of that one yet. Yeah, he, he. I think there's somebody. Somebody saw a photo. There's like a, an old photo from way back when that looks exactly like Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. And then, like, obviously, he he just looks like he hasn't aged either. Do you know what I mean? It's like exactly. Keanu, yeah. Keanu Reeves, like, it's like 
Bill and Ted's like excellent adventure. Bill and Ted face the music. Have you seen that yet? I have. I have seen that film. Yeah. Did you like uh, it? It destroyed me because it's all about like kind of uh, <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah the, the, to digress there, but it absolutely destroyed me because it's kind of about uh, for me. I read it as like um, like being a slack like a, it's, it's kind of all about like being a slacker and not realizing your like potential or like figuring out what you need to do and just waiting for like the 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 great thing to happen. Mm-hmm. So like. As somebody who's kind of like spent a lot of his life going like, yeah, I will do something great eventually. And then like, as you get older, you start to realize like, no, it's probably time to get like a, it's like punch in at 9am, get that desk <laughs> job and punch out at 5pm. It's kind of a little bit soul crushing. Oh, well, that's, that's sad to hear. <laughs> oh, nice. I didn't see it that way at all, but I mean, Jesus. Maybe I'll rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah, uh, I watched it at like the 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 height of the pandemic. So I, I just yeah. think emotions were brought to the forefront, weren't they? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's head on. Let's let's really breeze past my kind of like mini meltdown there, guys, and move on to your <laughs> number. I'd like two. to talk more about your meltdown. I mean, if you want to. Just, you know, off the record afterwards if you want to have a wee chat i'm available perfect <laughs> perfect uh, <laughs> let's go to number two of your favorite nick cage performances i would say number two would be leaving las vegas are you desirable are you irresistible maybe if you drank bourbon with me it would help maybe if you kissed me and i could taste the sting in your mouth it would help if you drank bourbon with me naked, if you smelled of bourbon as you fucked me, it would help. It would increase my esteem for you. If you poured bourbon onto your naked body and said to me, drink this. If you spread your legs and you had bourbon dripping from your breasts and your pussy and said, drink here, then I could fall in love with you because then I would have a purpose to clean you up and that, that, would prove that I'm worth something. I don't know. Number two might be controversial. It's, it may, it should be number one, maybe. I don't know. But no, no, you can have like can have it as number two. Like uh, it's, it's okay. I think it's, it's easy to do that thing, like to give it number one just because it's the one he's won an Oscar for. But like, yeah, that that film loses points because it, it it's in that same bracket as like uh, Requiem for a Dream, where it's like. It's it's a really good film. It's good to watch, but mm. it's like you're not going to stick it on all the time, are you? It's like it's... oh, once every ten years. <laughs> I'd say exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's grim to watch, but uh, you know, the first time I watched it, I didn't like it at all, and I thought it was just it was during that era where I didn't really like Nicholas Cage that much because I kept seeing him in too much films, or he was mm-hmm. over, it's he was given too much over the top performances, and nearly everything I seen it was like when. Mm. The whole Nicolas Cage going crazy thing started coming on the Vogue. And I'd first seen that film then, and I just thought, this is just another one of these performances. But then I watched it, like, much later, I watched it. Actually, when I was doing the poster, I rewatched it. And I realized it was really, really good. And not shit. <laughs> well, I think it's that thing that with, 
we've been able to re- like like readily research stuff as well when you kind of like know the backstory of that film and the the guy it's based on and stuff like yeah. that i think it kind of like gives the film a lot more like reverence doesn't it it's, yeah do you know what i mean if it's like when you realize that it is based on a true guy who unfortunately eventually did fulfill his plan that's to right, drink yeah. himself to death it's like it's got a real like emotional like punch to it and like i don't know and like yeah again like cage would have been late 20s when he did that as well and mm-hmm. i know like some people be like oh, like that's, that's not that young but like to, to pull out a performance like that do you know what i mean to to kind of delve that deep into into whatever whatever place you need to go to to get that performance it's yeah like it's, it's fantastic but i mean even like thinking of like he won the oscar for that was it 1995 <laughs> um i mean in late 20s that that doesn't seem that seems young to me mm-hmm. but i mean they have accomplished something like that that early in life that's that's very impressive i've always had this thing hanging over me with this podcast because my kind of like initial uh premise on this was to watch the films with like little to no knowledge yeah and then kind of give my like first reaction and all i knew about i knew nothing about the the backstory of leaving las vegas I just knew it had a lot of booze in it. So, like, I did, like, I was like, you know what I'm going to do is, like, I kind of came up with this premise. It'd be funny. I was like, I'll drink every time he drinks. Oh, oh my God. Are you serious? Well, not, 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 not like drink for drink, but at least, like, have, like... Yeah, so he sinks a, a bottle of argue in that film, doesn't he? <laughs> but, like, I'll, I'll have, like, a considerable, like, do you know what I mean? I'll have, like, two fingers. Oh, okay, of, uh, yeah. Of a drink every time, like, mm. he, like booze touches his lips, and then recorded an episode. And I'm like, like, I had to kind of like stop midway through the film and like recorded a uh, like a trigger warning, basically being like, this could possibly be one of the most insensitive <laughs> podcasts ever recorded because like i have i I've, i'm i'm quickly realizing the gravity of this film and like, the kind of like uh oh serious nature and uh yeah so that's one I, of your podcasts seriously you you drank every time nicholas cage drank in the film and you recorded it i want to have to go back yeah. and listen to this and, yeah, and so, do the so same like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so it's just a guy like like pick like pickled like after so after drinking like essentially a bottle of rum, mm. uh, then trying to talk about leaving Las Vegas and just feeling like really warm and I like I kept, kept having to like stop recording to go have cigarette breaks and kind of get some fresh air. That's impressive. But it's, I think it's a film I'll like have to revisit on the podcast and kind of do it the like, like talk about we, it with the reverence it deserves. We can do it together. We can, <laughs> we can do the drinking game together. I'm I'm up for it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know if like I don't know if that is a drink like I don't know. I'll, I'll, I should probably Google if that is a drinking game. If not, I'll I'll I'll, I'll trademark it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be the first. Amazing. So let's go on to number two of your favourite to draw. Number two of my favourite to draw would be um, Face Off. I'm 
but it's kind of funny because it actually didn't draw Nicolas Cage. I drew John Travolta. There's a, there's a comedian, um, Will Stone, who did mm-hmm. an amazing tweet during lockdown. Uh, he just posted a photo of John Travolta walking around and said, uh, it's good to see Nicolas Cage uh, going about with his mask on. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Um, I thought that'd be a nice little inside joke just to put John. It was very hard to capture. Like John Travolta was a lot harder to draw, I must admit. Because he he hasn't got that unique unique face as Nicolas Cage does, you know. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with John Travolta's face. It's pretty unique, but not as unique as Nick's. I think that's a perfect joke to make. There's um, a artist I know... uh, Brianna Ashby, who does mm-hmm. these kind of like watercolors, and she did like she normally does like a, a, an actor, but we'll just like pick nine of their films. hasn't hasn't got the kind of the stones to go as like full bore as you to do with like a, a career spanning uh, like work. But like, she, yeah, she did the same thing of like here's a Nicolas Cage one, and then there's just like this like watercolor of uh, John Travolta. <laughs> and I think like that joke that joke for me will never will. will will never not get funny like it's it, i think it's great good i'm glad to hear it <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was the first person to come up with it but obviously not <laughs> well, i don't know i don't know when she did it i just uh i i, I can't re- i can't remember like I, I picked it up on twitter so like i'm not sure what it was and there's a fantastic like you got the dove in as well right for the for the face off one. Oh, they got i've got a couple of doves uh, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. one dove there's about 70 doves in that movie. They should, I don't know why they're not in the cast at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And let's go on to your number one. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to subvert this and go number one illustration first. Okay. And then we'll go to the big daddy of your number one. Oh, God. I'm afraid I'm, it's going to be an anticlimax. Well, number one is uh, Mandy. Knock, knock. because it's kind of it became the reason why i'd done the poster obviously the reason was just to have about a crack and yeah do the nicholas cage sorry the crack in ireland means fun i know i I know what it means (laughs) (laughs) to your international listeners i should explain that but um so it was just to have a bit of fun and you know see if it will work or not which which it certainly has to be honest i think that poster paid maybe two months rent last year perfect not that i want to (laughs) i want to sort of sum it up in any financial way but it certainly did but um i remember just like hearing about that film mandy when i was doing the poster and just as I mentioned earlier, it just became it became so exciting. Just like because I'd seen that guy's film, Panas Kamada's his first film. I can't remember what it was called. Beyond the Black it, Rainbow. Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, uh, it wasn't great, but it, just visually, it was amazing. And I thought if he had an actor like Nicolas Cage on board, it might actually be really interesting. 
and I seen the trailer, and the music was by that guy who died recently. Yeah, Johannes. Uh, yeah, Johansson. Yeah, and it just looks so great. But the, so the score is like I listen to the score quite frequently. Me too. And yeah, yeah, and it's like so you've got Johan Johansson, but you also have uh, Stephen O'Malley from the band Sano, like the mm-hmm. kind of like doom uh metal like kind of like wig out band like play plays a lot of guitar on that and it's just like so i i kind of had like a, a difficult first time with that film in like i think i expected it to be a, a bit more uh grindhouse than yeah. art house than it was but then like kind of i I very much enjoyed it, but like I was kind of like oh, it's, it, I felt a bit disappointed because it wasn't what I expected. But like on second viewing, I think if you kind of watch that film and let it like wash over you, yeah, and just kind of like I don't know, sound like a pretentious wanker here, but like no, I don't think so. Just just feel like like go with the feelings of it and kind of like. um no, like feel the mood of it. It it really fucking like it's like someone sitting on your chest, like really yeah. hard. And it's like it's it's really impactful. And like I think it's quite comparable to like I know obviously in that film it deals with like uh, grief. And like Panos Cosmotos has said, like his two films are, are both about grief. So the first one is kind of like the bottling up of grief and like suppressing it whereas mandy is the explosion of grief yeah that's a real explosion jesus and and it's like that thing of i think if you kind of i think it's with films anyway if you bring yourself to a film and like kind of find something in it even if it's like not grief per se if even if it's like you look at it like the loss of a relationship or something like that and you kind mm. of like look at a f- look, look at that film through that prism and that kind of like feeling or whatever or or you can't like or grief itself and it's like when you kind of like bring yourself to that film it fucking has like an emotional punch as well as this yeah. kind of like really great like visceral violence and action to it that's yeah it's uh i think it's a beautiful piece of work you, you described it very well. <laughs> That's much better so than I could. So obviously crapped on a lot about Mandy there, uh, John. Uh, like, yeah, how does it like, yeah, what is it about that film that like kind of, I don't know, you, you like particularly like enjoy about it? Uh, it's difficult to answer really because it's all, <laughs> it's all kind of like subliminal or something. I don't know. It was, it was the look of it and... I'm not such a fan of like rebooting and bringing back things that much. I mean, I enjoy things like Stranger Stranger Things, but at the same time, don't rub the arse out of it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the third series, okay, you know, it's maybe just ended there, but I kind of like bringing back the those type of like uh, that type of atmosphere mm-hmm. from those kind of films. Whether it be like John Carpenter, Michael Mann, like they had, they all had a certain feeling or something. I, I it's hard to describe in words what it was, but it was maybe it was the soundtrack as well and the lighting. They all contributed towards this kind of I don't know a feeling I had 
when I watched those films, and some of them weren't necessarily good. I mean, <laughs> like some, like especially some of those Michael Mann films. I mean, Thief. I, I remember it not being that great. And The Keep. Have you ever no, seen that? No, but film? that's like considering we're talking around Christmas. There's like a little fun fact. I I, I like to every time. And I, I weirdly know this about the keep is the like Tangerine Dream score during the closing credits is a, a cover of Walking in the Air. Oh my god! We <laughs> 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 can listen to that straight away. Yes, yeah, so it's like this kind of like yeah. Just for those of you at home, close your eyes and think Tangerine Dream <laughs> doing Walking in the Air, and it is as good as you are imagining it. <laughs> I got to listen to that immediately. was Drive maybe with Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. and I mean it's it's a decent enough film and I, I kind of brought that that sentimentality back a little bit but but I didn't think it done it in a really great way but I think something like Mandy kind of is bringing bringing it back in a nice way but it not not in a way where it's 100% saying this is from the 80s yeah, yeah. blah 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 you know well it, it's it's almost like understanding like you've like Panos Cosmos very much understands that cinema and it's not like yeah. I'm trying to replicate it. It's like, and I think he said in interviews that he's tried to create a film of like, what, <laughs> what would the lives be like of like when you see these metal bands and they have that kind of like artwork on the side of their trucks. It's like, <laughs> yeah. What would a story be about, like, one of the crew for those bands? And that's yeah. kind of how he sees Red. He's, like, he's in this kind of periphery of, like, this this metal world, and he's got this, like, cool younger girlfriend or wife, like, who's really into metal and, like, these, these fantasy novels and stuff like that. And I think the film, yeah. the film really throws it out as well to be, like, I understand that like those films are what they are. I'm not trying to replicate that. And then at the end goes like, look, this isn't even on earth. So like, this is like, yeah, we've had the title card to say like 1984, but it's like mm. 90, it could be 1984 on the planet that I've set this on. Which yeah. Is like which a long is time ago day. in a galaxy far, far away. Exactly. Like- <laughs> Um, so let's move on to your favorite Nick Cage performance, number one in your Nick Cage list. <sighs> I, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I have a feeling like this is not, it's an anticlimax, but I think I had to kind of take a mix between performance and film. Like, as in, this is one of my favorite Nicolas Cage films plus performances. But I think it's not just him, it's also his. The, the cast of the whole film uh, is uh, Raising Arizona. Oh, he's beautiful. Yeah, he's awful damn good. I think I got the best one. I bet they were all beautiful. All babies are beautiful. 
This one's awful damn good, though. Don't you cuss around him. He's fine, he is. I think it's Nathan Jr. We are doing the right thing, aren't we, Hi? I mean, they had more than they could handle. Well, now, honey, we've been over this and over this, and there's what's right and there's what's right, and never the twain shall meet. But don't you think his mama will be upset, I mean, overly? Well, of course she'll be upset, sugar, but she'll get over it. She's got four little babies, almost as good as this one. Well, it's not necessarily a film you would immediately think that's a Nick Cage film. It's You would obviously think that's a Coen Brothers film. But there's just something about it. It has the cageness before it was really Nicolas Cage. But also has Holly Hunter and John Goodman and was it William Forsyth mm-hmm. is his brother in that. And the rat, everybody else. This is so good. Yeah, it just has a great look. Brilliant. It's proto cage, isn't it? I think like would kind of be that. <laughs> I think I think I think the kind of thing that solidified him as this like out there actor. And there's like a nice little like triumphant in the eighties. It's I think it's that like um, yeah, it's it's raising Arizona where it showed like he could play funny like really well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he, he's got this like Tex Avery like cartoon like manicness to him. He can play the romantic lead with like this brooding intensity in Moonstruck, yeah. and he can fucking like fling shit at the wall and go fucking crazy with Vampire's Kiss, which like would have been like, <laughs> I think like if you kind of look at production dates, were made within like an eighteen month period, and it's like again like Raising Arizona and Vampire's Kiss and Moonstruck, yeah, and, oh, like, Moonstruck, sorry, Jesus, yeah, all okay. three of them, all three of them, so oh my like. God. <laughs> that's crazy and like i don't know like you look at like uh footage like of nick cage at that time there's a brilliant like sean connery accepting the oscar for uh, i think it's like when he won for the untouchables but like yeah. the, the the people like introducing him is share and nicholas cage <laughs> and like nick cage just seems like such a fucking laugh in that like clip because like he's kind of like shooting off at the mouth and stuff like that and Cher mm. says to him like hey uh, have I got have I got to hit you Nicky and stuff like that and there's like but yeah like raising Arizona man it's just it's fantastic it's like and I think a lot, a lot of people do just put it in the bracket of just being a Coen Brothers film but I think it's yeah. Equal parts, Cohen Brothers and Cage. I don't think we'd have the Cage we got in the 90s if he didn't have that experience on that film. Yeah, exactly. And working with directors of, oh, a director, I suppose both of the Cohen Brothers kind of co-direct, but the, that caliber mm-hmm. as well. Like it's, I mean, as early and off in his career, I mean, kind of like really starting them off. And he's working with some of the best directors in the world at that stage. Well, yeah, he, he's, got, he's going to have worked with one of the best directors in the world, because he's his uncle uh, uh, in, in the 80s. I, I actually <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> well, he actually he did work with his brother. Didn't his brother direct that? Um, Deadfall. What a Deadfall, Jesus. <laughs> so, so I'll be... I'll give you a. That pe- could be actually my number one. Uh, can I change your mind at this stage? No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, of course, you can change it to Deadfall. I think Eddie King is one of like the the craziest uh, cinematic characters of all time, and um, I just yeah, they're not one of. I'd say the Me. yeah 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 the yeah, craziest. So crazy, in fact, that like uh, 
you, yeah, you've obviously seen that film and know how his character ends up in it. Like it's uh, the fact that he then revived that. Yeah, character. for a f- that weird Arsenal <laughs> film or something. I think it was called yeah. Arsenal. Uh, maybe in America, Southern but... Southern Fury <laughs> in the UK. Like. Yeah, because they don't want to call the, thing... the football team, uh, obviously. But neither neither of those titles make make sense. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like it's not Southern enough to be Southern Fury. Yeah, and there's there's not enough weapons in it to be called Arsenal. Like it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a load of fucking bullshit. Um, yeah, and a, a peek behind the curtain uh, for 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 people is. Uh, once I've completed watching all the Nicholas, once I'm up to date with Nick Cage films, I will be looking at the wider Coppola family to kind of like see, like look at their films as well. Mm. So I can kind of get, dig a little bit deeper because what, what, there, there's that famous saying, right? It's like, how how do you get to, like, how do you get to know someone better? Meet their family. Right. So how am I going to get to know Cage better? Let's watch every Francis Ford Coppola film. <laughs> can I, 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 can I ask you, like, what's your like favorite Nicolas Cage movie? Uh, have maybe you could do top three or five if you want. I mean, um, so my favorite, like my top five. Um, See, I didn't. I didn't even plan this, but no. I, 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 like, yeah. I'm going to. It's no like 2020 is ending. I've never done this. Okay. Like every episode on this podcast, I ask people what was their first, like, and which is their favorite Nick Cage right. film. And like, there they're going. Oh, it's it's really fucking hard. And then I'm kind of there on my tower, going like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's really hard. I'm not asking it. Like, um, so you can edit often, this afterwards, it, and you can just like record your own vocal putting in your uh, like really thought about top five Nicolas Cage films but no no no, no. I, I will give I, I, will, I will give my favorite I'll just give my number one my number one Nick Cage film just because it doesn't get shouted about enough and there's something about it. when I first watched it I was like I think it was the first film I watched whilst doing this podcast that made me think mm-hmm. like I really really like like this guy is Red Rock West. No thanks. Scotch ain't good enough? Oh, I knew a guy like he once. Thought he was better than everybody else. That's it, ain't it, Mike? Hmm? think you're better than me, don't you? Why don't you just blow me? Oh, oh you think you're real hot shit, don't you, Mike? Huh? Hey. <laughs> hey, cowboy. Who's got the gun? Cowboy? Ha! Yeah, that was... That was one of the first ones I've ever seen. Like after the, what do you call it earlier on? The testosterone fuel trilogy. <laughs> yeah. I remember that was like, obviously they, well, I'm not saying obviously, but from my point of view, obviously they were my first bunch of Nicolas Cage films I've seen. And then that one I seen afterwards and I thought that was, this is actually kind of different. And it's like really cool or yeah, something. Yeah, for me, it's got that thing that it's got, um, 
David Lynch like alumni is in it, so it's got Laura Flynn Boyle. Yeah. It's got it does she's a she's kind of like a love interest. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, you've got Dennis right. Hopper as the villain. It's got this like neo noir western aesthetic to it, and it's like there's just something about it, and it's like it's one of those films. I think like, I went into it knowing nothing about it and just came away mm. going like, I really, really like, I, I, I love, like, I love what this guy's doing. And like, it's that thing as well. I think it's one of my favorites as well. Cause I like the idea of like liking films that not many people know about as well. Not to be like yeah. a pretentious wanker, but it's like that <laughs> thing of like, it's, it's like, I, I like the idea of being able to share that with people to be like, check this one out as opposed to being like yeah i don't know like yeah like he's great in face off do you know what i mean like that first especially that first 15 minutes when he's cast a troy it's great do you prefer him as cast a troy or as uh sean archer i think as cast a troy just because Cor- of it, course it feels like he had that opportunity to go so i'm playing majority of this film as the good guy I'm just yeah. really gonna throw everything at it for the villain. So it's like it's it's, it's and him do you having think fun. He he done that. Uh, if it was shot chronologically, do you think he done that to give John Travolta the biggest challenge of his career that, in order to imitate that? That is that is. Um, I'd I'd imagine so. I'd imagine like Cage does seem like the type of person to like push things. There's great um, behind the scenes footage from uh, Face Off where like between cuts and stuff like that and like uh takes that didn't make the film where like cage has got a like a real intensity to him and john travolta is loving every second of it i think like <laughs> i don't know like it's a weird stage for travolta as well right he was like kind of going into like his third revival like well, yeah second- he's, he's, he's zigzagged so much up and down hasn't he like <laughs> just like in and out of like these weird career like revivals and whatnot yeah yeah the, the peaks and troughs of travolta yeah. are very very disparate aren't they so all of a sudden he's he's up on a high with pulp fiction then he's down then he's up with face off and then like like all the kind of <laughs> like i'm struggling for examples for nowadays but uh... well yeah i think he's hit, he's hit the kind of uh the same fate as Nicolas Cage, Bruce Willis, and like a, a variety, even John Cusack, where they're doing these like yeah. straight to DVD action thrillers. And um, I think isn't John John Cusack has been in a lot of films with Nicolas Cage. Three, like, he's been in three. He's been in three films. But that's yeah, it yeah. still that's constitutes as a lot in in uh, movie terms. Like, but uh, yeah, I, I often think about that. Like. Is John Cage, pers- sorry, John Cage, is Nicolas Cage uh, persuading John Cusack to be in these films because they're friends or is it the other way around? Yeah. Like I often like, think about these relationships yeah. in movies. There's really interesting friendships, especially with Cage. Like one of his like closest friends seems to be Crispin Glover from back to the really yeah 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 there's like right. you occasionally see like photos of those two like having sushi and it's like especially if you see like um post back to the future work that crispin glover's done mm. whether it's like his is it charlie's angels he's in it's like that kind of like yeah, I, I can't really think of much when it's post back to the future uh, like 
pre Back to the Future, he was really, really great. And I think he's the best thing in Back to the Future. So they're both uh, in Best of Times, that kind of like a TV. Uh, the very first film, Nicolas Cage film. Yeah, Crispin Glover's oh, also yeah, in okay, that. So I think right. they're like of a, sim- of a similar age. They like, um, yeah, and they've like hung out ever since. Uh, kind of. But I just kind of think, like, what would their conversation? Would they be giving like each other tips to be like? I'm doing this film, like, uh, like check this out. And it's, um, it's interesting you bring up John Cusack because there's uh, a wrong, a long running joke on this podcast that, uh, in the early days I got, I got blocked on Twitter by John right. Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask him about Conor? No, I, um, I just like, I don't know, just a, a bit of promo for the, for an episode I was doing. I was like, listen to this week's episode to find out how my guest got blocked by John Cusack. <laughs> and then, and then all of a sudden, um, I had not just John Cusack replying. I, he'd like kind of quote tweeted my tweet and then like all of his fans kind of piled on and stuff like that. And I was like, I I, t- I found the timestamp. I like sent it out to all of them and went like, "You can yeah. listen to the part of the conversation. We don't slag off John Cusack. Like my guest tells a story about how he got blocked on Twitter by John Cusack, right? And we might say that he's he's had a very similar career to Nick Cage, which like I'm sure even John Cusack, if he looked long and hard in the mirror, would go, "Yeah, we have had we have had a similar career. We both did kind of like." blossom in the 90s did all right in the 2000s and then when 2010s came we kind of went out into the woods almost yeah that's kind of strange <laughs> i <laughs> i know he uh he doesn't like john kuzak doesn't he will refuse to answer any questions asked about con air which is a film where i would love to know everything about what happened on set and after filming times. Yeah. I'm so curious because it's an ensemble cast. Uh, and there's like, I wonder how they all interacted and what they got up to and stuff. There's like a very rare moment where he does get close to it. It's like, and I think it's like one of the only people who could ask the question. Mark Maron asked him about... Um, yeah, Danny Trejo. Da- yeah, Danny Trejo so, yeah. saying like you're the scariest guy on that film. But then he just uses it as like a kind of platform to talk about like how he did how he did like jujitsu or judo something. or yeah, yeah jujitsu. Yeah, yeah he, he did yeah. martial arts for years, and it's like no, it's because you have. I a, don't care, John. I don't care. You have a dark. I want to hear stories. Yeah, you have a fucking killer look in your eye. That's that's like that's what it is about you, John. That people are like. Oh, there is something a bit uh, a bit off about this guy. Um, well, John, I'm gonna yeah. Let's we've gone through your list. It's, it's been a fantastic list. And obviously, I don't want to keep you too long, but obviously, we're on the cusp of a new year. Obviously, Cage has got a few things slated for next year. He does. Which, he certainly does. Which of those are you most looking forward to? I am most looking forward to a one called. Um, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Have you heard of this? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm typing that name into Google every day. Of course, I'm You're directing it. <laughs> I'm on their continuity. <laughs> well, you know yourself. Uh, it's the self 
the the self parody one where he plays himself in it and he's a cash well i mean i'm going by the i to write up the he's cash strapped nicholas cage and he accepts that oh, i can't remember the rest of it except some secret sort of job from the CIA or something? Well, no, I think it's like he just does like an appearance for somebody's birthday. <laughs> At a billionaire's party. Yeah, yeah and, that's and, right. and it, all, it all goes wrong, basically, and he kind of has to... But the co- well, you wouldn't want it to go right, would you? <laughs> <laughs> the cast in that as well, like, really makes me excited for it. So it's not just Nick Cage, like, it's... Uh, right, Pe- John Cusack as well, is it? Pedro Pascal, <laughs> like, from The Mandalorian... That's right. That's very respectable. I mean, you want them to be teamed up with people who are doing well. Sharon Horgan, so uh, some, some, yeah, somebody from the uh, the Irish Isles, right? Sharon Horgan. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Tiffany Haddish as well. Neil Patrick Harris. So like, there's this kind of like, like I mean, he's great. So there's like a, a good like crop of like comedy talent. So you know it's gonna have yeah. it's gonna have some laughs. But then like yeah like. Pedro Pascal as well. It's like the he's hot shit right now, right? It's totally like the Mandalorian. You say he's in. That's right. I've seen that. Yeah, that's the series two. So I haven't watched <laughs> that yet. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> thinking, thinking out loud. Thinking out yeah, Just ignore me. I'm doing a James Joyce Ulysses <laughs> thing here. <laughs> um, uh, there's a couple other things. Uh, like there's an untitled Amazon project. Have you heard of that one? untitled amazon tv project yes which is very intriguing well he's playing what could that be well there there is there is some news on that that he is voicing an alcoholic dragon for some kind of like (laughs) sword and sandals style like show about yeah like some some fantasy like novel type thing where nick cage plays some weird alcoholic dragon and uh well that just sounds great and and like this will be coming out on new year's eve and it will it's just six days away from people seeing the history of swearing which nick cage presents a series all about like the etymology of swear words and i think like the words include fuck pussy like shit and bitch and it, oh my god this is an actual show that he's present oh this is it's a, it's this a, is blowing my mind i i, I can't take this <laughs> it's a net it's a netflix <laughs> show uh a trailer right. a trailer was released on um yeah uh, december 22nd so like j- just last week and it looks fucking amazing oh, Jesus. and it's like it, it, it seems like the perfect lockdown project and like the the trailer begins for those of you at home who haven't um seen it it begins with a nice deep cut for like uh cage fans because it is him replicating that like momentous like fuck he delivers in deadfall you know he does kind of like he just like yeah, sh- yeah. shouts in the strip club he's just <laughs> in, the, like, in the strip club fuck! yeah yeah but really prolonged he he just does that at the beginning of the trailer and it's like <laughs> oh it's like that is funny in itself but it's like if you're a cage fan and you seem dead for it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you what i can't flip and wait <laughs> <laughs> amazing john well thank you so much for your time and coming to talk about your top five nick cage films and, and your drawings oh thank you very you forgot to ask me what's my worst nicholas cage film 
Well, let's let's sneak that in at the end. Sorry, man. What okay. what is what is the worst Nick Cage film you have ever seen? I was I was going through the list <laughs> on the IMDb, and the, there was a lot of contenders, I have to say. But then the one came up, and it really hit me, which is the absolute worst by a mile. It's left behind. <laughs> Whoa. The, <laughs> the, the the thing is for for me with that one is it's just boring cage he doesn't he doesn't really like deliver anything it's quite like he's quite one note he <laughs> for me i think because it's about religion and i think what mm. one of his brothers like is religious the christopher coppola the same guy who directed deadfall yeah and I think, like, it, it, it looks to me like he's almost scared about offending Christians by, like, it's like <laughs> if if he goes, if he goes too over the top, like, it might be like a disrespectful performance. So he just he just doesn't give anything. Yeah, it's like um, that's that's interesting. It might as well be a cardboard cutout. <laughs> Very well, could be. <laughs> I must watch it again and just make sure. And and I I, I, I I'd like no, no like. I know, I know you're from Ireland, but no offense when I say this, but anyone who's looking forward to going to a U2 concert in like a post, <laughs> like post the late eighties, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I remember that was a little, because they're a religious band as well, obviously. <laughs> oh, that, that I remember watching that and just being really depressed afterwards. It was just that, that was kind of the part of the downfall. I know. Part of the deadfall of Nicolas Cage's career for me is after seeing that, it was just like, ah, oh, this guy, what is he doing? <laughs> hey, well, what's what's your what's your worst Nicolas Cage film? It's 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 a close tie between that one and um, uh, Bangkok Dangerous. I think like oh, what? Uh, I don't know. That was kind of enjoyable. They say. I don't know. Bangkok Dangerous. It just it's like. It, it, it's just quite it, it just felt quite limp but i think i think it is probably like it's dead it, it's left behind just because it's boring like I, i've got a lot of time for like bad nick cage movies i've got a lot of time mm. for the good ones or the the freaky performances but i've got little to no time for just boring cage yeah i agree I agree. Well, where can people obviously find your Etsy store? What's the what's the URL? Or where can they find you on social media, uh, John? Let's go. Well, I let's mean, go social media. It's probably a lot easier, right? Sure. I mean, I'm on the oil Instagram at uh, what is it? J Rooney Illustration. But that's about the only thing I use anymore, to be honest with you. Perfect. Well, I will be um, sure to drop uh links in the show notes and stuff like that so people can like see see your amazing illustrations stuff like that and well, thank you keep up to date with w- what you're doing and obviously if there's another actor who gets the john rooney treatment yeah there's another one in the works but it might be a while before i, I get him or her um out there. amazing amazing what? i gotta watch all the movies first. <laughs> well we'll keep that as a nice little tease again thank you so much for coming to rage with cage with me well thank you very much I really enjoyed it that was John Rooney talking to me about his top 5 Nick Cage films and his top 5 Nick Cages to draw Uh, you might be a bit lost about some of those ones that we talk about but 
Just look at the artwork for this episode and you'll be able to see John's amazing poster depicting most <laughs> of Cage's on-screen performances. Uh, as he admitted, since that poster was created, it needs updating, but uh, it's, it's fantastic. And I'll be posting it all on social media. So that's at Cage's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And do be sure to check out John's amazing Etsy page, and as he said on uh, Instagram, which is J Rooney Illustration. And his other like actor kind of pieces he's done, whether it's the Bill Murray one, Tom Hanks, Scorny Weaver and Arnold Schwarzenegger are all fantastic. So with the year drawing to a close, thank God that 2020 has gone in the bin. Uh, we look forward to 2021. Uh, I very much hope that you all have a fantastic new year. Happy new year to you all. But if you want to get in touch and let me know what Nick Cage projects are you looking forward to in 2021 or in the distant future, we God knows when stuff's going to come out anymore. Get, get in touch, as I said, get in touch on the socials or you can drop me an email, cagedinpod at gmail.com. Again, guys, a very happy new year to you all. As always, I've been Petrus Patsilovus. I've been caged in. Ababa. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.